Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. And I Hey, Hollywood, you know how much I like these when rock ruled the charts. And today we're going to take advantage of your Rain Man ass mind and do a date related episode. You want to tell the listeners what they're in store with this when rock ruled the charts? Yeah. So on the date this is released, it is February 4th, 2024. So date wise, it's 2424. So we figured, I'm like, well, it's 2424. So what if we just go 24 years back? And go to 2400. And because we're nuts, we're going to go ahead and just rewind it 24 years. Check out what's going on on the special day. And it's special because it was exactly 24 years ago. And kind of talk about rock, hard rock acts that are on the Billboard 200 album chart at the same time. Uh, It should be an interesting trip down memory lane for 24000, which was exactly 24 years ago on 2424. Y2K, baby. (laughs) Yeah. You remember all that? We'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So it should be a fun episode. I always enjoy these episodes. But before we get too deep in the sticks with this, you know, we got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up Music Spotlight. Today's Crank It Up Spotlight, we are going to feature the band Sapphire. 
We've talked about this band in the past. We've featured them before. They released an album last year in April called Taming the Hurricane. So I know that this is not more recent, but forgot to talk about it when it came out. I wanted to spotlight a little bit of it because I think they're a pretty good band. They consist of Victor on guitars and backing vocals, Ephraim on drums and backing vocals, Tobias on vocals, Magnus on bass, and Dino on keyboards. Judging from these gentlemen's names, I'm guessing they're from the Norwegian area. What do you think, Hollywood? Do you think that's a good bet? Yeah, and I'm not sure it's Sapphire. I think it's Sapphire. Eh, Sapphire. It's like tomato, tomato, isn't it? There's a right and there's a wrong. And you know, you know me as well as anybody. I don't pay attention to either. So there you have it. I got their first names right or close enough anyway. So check out this song called Triumph of Will, which is taken off the Taming the Hurricane album. Here's a snippet. This is Victor from Sapphire, and you're listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast with Steven and Hollywood. Crank that shit up. So it's interesting you said, let's go to this before we get too far into the sticks. Because right at the beginning, that intro, I'm like, okay, modern sticks. <laughs> right? That's kind of what I heard. So I'm like, okay, well, let me kind of check this out. And then they got into the verses and it wasn't so much sticks anymore. I like the chorus. I think the song's okay overall. It kind of plods along after a while because it was kind of the same thing, the whole, like there was no real dynamics. And then I started thinking, God, I wish this guy was Tommy Shaw. The song would be better if this guy was Tommy Shaw. I think they're a little less sticks and a little more deep purple. So, but I like the band overall. Uh, their records are pretty good. They have enough guitar in them to keep me interested. They tend to lean a little bit heavy on keyboards at times, but they're a pretty solid band. Sapphire, not Sapphire. Sapphire with Sapphire. Either way. Wow. At least I didn't call them Saffron. That's true. Okay. <laughs> you can help out the podcast greatly by leaving us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or Spotify. The links are in the show notes, or just drop us a line at our email, growinguprock at gmail.com. Okay, so we're going to go with 2-4-2000, which is exactly 24 years ago. 
We are 35 days past the world coming to an end because for some reason, all the news channels were like December 31st, 1999 at 11.59 and 59 seconds. The world is going to somehow be altered. And it did. It was one second later than it was the second before. And that was it. (laughs) I, at the time, was a Target store manager. So what Target made us do was I had to be in the computer room at 11.50 p.m. to 12.05 a.m. to make sure that if the computers went down, that I could call it in and we could do whatever we needed to do so we could open for the new year. So I'm thinking to myself, Target. I loved my 14 years at Target. Don't get me wrong. I met my beautiful wife at Target. My brother worked at Target. Tone worked at Target. We all love Target. But their solution to the world coming to an end was me being in the computer room 10 minutes before the world comes to an end. (laughs) While my wife was at a bar. (laughs) I'm sitting in the computer room going, Nicole's at a bar and I'm here? What the hell is going on today? So 12 rings. The one second goes by, the second second goes by, the third second goes by. It's 12 o'clock and five seconds, and I'm looking around going, the world is no different than it was five seconds ago. There's nothing happened. I waited till 12.05 and one second, and I bolted, went to the bar, and since I hadn't drank it all yet, because I wasn't allowed to, drank as fast as possible to catch up to Tone and Nicole and everybody that was around and have myself a good old time. And guess what? The world did not come to an end. Where were you? Let's talk on New Year's Eve. World's coming to an end. Are you in somebody? You're on top of somebody, somebody on top of you, or are you on the floor somewhere? (laughs) I don't remember exactly. I was probably at a party (laughs) or something like that because I worked in computers at this time. So Y2K was a big deal. If you worked in computers, it was a huge deal. You know, we can put a man on the moon, but all these geniuses had no idea what was going to happen at midnight on December 1999. You know, nobody, nobody knew what was going to happen. That's hilarious. When we look back at it nowadays, I mean, somebody posted like a Best Buy sticker that was on there about computers and stuff like that. It's crazy to think about, but man, nothing really happened. I can't remember exactly what precautions we took from a computer standpoint, but you know, I really don't remember us having to do a ton of stuff. I think there were some software programs that needed to be run and things like that. But yeah, it didn't affect me in any way, shape or form. And I just never understood. Like if your software program where it says 1999, it doesn't know that the next number is 2000. (laughs) Like it's not smart enough to know that it's a computer. (laughs) You had all (laughs) kinds of experts chiming in on that whole thing. It was stupid. It kept me busy. It was job security. I'll tell you that. Well, I'm telling you, like, well, Target's one of the biggest retailers on the planet, definitely in the U.S., and they were scared shitless. They didn't know what was going to happen. Well, what's funny is that in some way, shape, or form, in 2000, I worked for a company that put point-of-sales systems in Target's. Oh, okay. So we had interaction with Target's and retail stores and things like that because that was my job is working on point-of-sales systems that went to the stores to be installed. The uh, category, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, New Year's Eve, uh, top 10 effects of Y2K. That's the category. We're looking right down the barrel of the gun tonight. This is what everybody has been worried about. This is what everybody has been concerned about. This is what everyone has been preparing for. Top 10 effects of Y2K. And now, here to present tonight's top 10 list, 
one of the great actors of our time, James Earl Jones. James. <laughs> Top 10 effects of Y2K. Here we go. Number 10. Stuff's gonna explode. Yeah! <laughs> Number 9. The Big Dipper will fall out of the sky and kill a guy in Sweden. Number 8. Everyone's voice will suddenly sound exactly like mine. Uh, number seven. Michael Jackson will finally look in the mirror and say, my God, what the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> number six. There will be a new letter added to the English alphabet. Ngipi. <laughs> number five. A computer glitch will force Bill Gates to pay off Every American's credit card. Wow. Go nuts. Number four. No more answering the phone by saying yellow. <laughs> Number three. Every kid will lose interest in that Pokemon crap. Number two. Ricky Martin will become even more fantastic. Oh, come on. That's not possible. And the number one effect of Y2K... Despite assurances from high-ranking officials that it could not happen, Kraft macaroni and cheese will become even cheesier. Yeah. All right, so what we're going to do, like I said, 2-4-2000... We're going to look at the Billboard 200 chart and talk about the rock and hard rock acts. Now, it's 2000, so some of these might be a little bit of a stretch for rock and hard rock, but uh, they are what they are, and uh, it's an interesting list. So we will get to it. Let me just say this up front. Let me put a disclaimer before you start. Yeah, this list is definitely an interesting one. <laughs> Not as good as some of the lists that we've done before, but definitely an interesting uh, set of records on this list. Go for it. And we're going to start with number 194 on the Billboard 200 on 2-4-2000 with an album called Sugar by a band called Tonic. It had peaked out at number 81 and been on the charts for eight weeks, and it was on the way down. So if you don't know anything about Tonic, formed in 93 in Los Angeles, still active today, the three main guys are Emerson Hart on lead vocals and guitar, Jeff Russo on guitar, and plays lead guitar on most of the things, and Dan Lavery on bass. They're like restrained, can't keep a drummer. You know, I like taking jabs at Tony anytime I can. So they pick up a drummer whenever they're ready to tour. Tonics released five studio albums. Sugar was their second, but the album didn't do as well compared to their debut album, which had that hit single, If You Could Only See. At number 182, album called A Place in the Sun by a band called Lit. It had peaked out at 31, been on the chart for 46 weeks, and it was on the way down. So since we mentioned Tony, for some reason, he's got a hard-on for this band. I don't get it. I've tried lit. Meh. Right? That shirt. It can say Aerosmith, Grateful Dead, Led Zeppelin, Nirvana. It can say lit and then meh. If you don't know anything about lit, they're from Orange County, California. Been around since the late 80s. Still active today. They were even on Mork. 
today. The band is AJ Popoff on lead vocals, Jeremy Popoff on guitar, which I'm assuming they're brothers, Kevin Baldas on bass, and Taylor Carroll on drums. Lit has released seven studio albums, and A Place in the Sun was their second release and their only platinum-selling record. Um, Lit's probably most popular song is My Own Worst Enemy, and that song was on this record. At 177, we have the greatest hits by Sublime, which had peaked out at 114, been on the charts for nine weeks. And it was kind of going up and down the chart because depending on what else was getting released, this album, for whatever reason, was bouncing. And, you know, I guess <laughs> the listeners are all like, the first three bands we're talking about today is Tonic, Lit, and Sublime. Okay, not exactly core bands for us, but if you don't know anything about Sublime, Long Beach, California, formed in the late 80s, pretty much calls it quits in 96 when Brad Novell, their lead vocalist and guitarist, died of a heroin overdose. So since the band only lasted eight years, they only released three albums, with their last album being self-titled, selling five times platinum, but it was released after the singer died. So, so you know, that probably helped the sales, hard to say. Uh, their most popular song is probably What I Got, but their only Hot 100 charting hit was Doing Time, and that was on The Greatest Hits. At 161, we got an album called Number 4 by Stone Temple Pilots. It peaked out at number 6, been on the charts for 13 weeks on the way down. Okay, finally, get a band that we actually listen to from time to time. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows who STP is. For me, STP is one of those three bands that I can tolerate from the grunge era. Number 4 was their fourth release, duh. Not like fucking Restrained, where their Restrained 2 is their sixth release. Over the hell. I'm going to keep taking shots at Tony today. I don't know why. This was their last platinum album. The singles from this album were Down, Sour Girl, Heaven and Hot Rods, and No Way Out. Sour Girl was their last Hot 100 charting hit, by the way. At number 147, got followed the leader by Korn, which was a number one record at one point. Believe it or not, Korn is still active today, which means they have lasted 30 years, and they still have four core guys. Jonathan Davis on vocals, Monkey Schaefer on guitar, Head Welch on guitar, Fieldy on bass, and hell, Ray Luzier has been on drums since, what, 2008? It's been 16 years for him. These guys have 14 studio albums. I had no idea. I can't name three songs. Follow the Leader was their third studio album, and their most popular sold 5 million copies because this is the album that has Freak on a Leash on it. That's the only song I know. I can't remember any other corn song. Well, it's not I can't remember any other corn song. I don't know any other corn Got songs. Got the Life. Uh, if I heard it, that sounds familiar anyway. I think that's the first single I ever heard by them. Oh, okay. And the last one out of the first six, at number 141, we got Make Yourself by Incubus, which it peaked out at number 47 and was up and down the charts. And yes, good Lord, out of the first six, Tonic, Lit, Sublime, Corn, and Incubus. I hope everybody has not stopped listening. I could lie to you and tell you that it gets better later. It gets a little bit better later if you just hang with us. It's 2-4-2000. There ain't no Cinderella or Rat on this chart. I'm sorry. Incubus, formed in 91, Calabasas, California. They have eight studio albums, still active today. Three originals are still in the band. Got Brandon Boyd on lead vocals, Mike Ian Ziger on guitar, and Jose Pacias on drums. And Make Yourself was their third release, included their biggest hit, Drive. That song, Drive, chopped out at number nine on the Hot 100, mm -hmm. by the way. So we got Tonic Lit, Sublime, Stone Temple Pilots, Corda, Incubus. My fave out of these, I don't listen to a lot of these ever. I guess I'll go with Stone Temple Pilots. Want to get your take on these six albums? I would be surprised if you own more than one, and I want to get your favorite. Go for it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I do own more than one, actually. God love you. All right. So let's start with tonic. Uh, you mentioned something about uh, they can't keep a drummer and they rotate drummers. I happen to know one of those drummers. Well, everybody does. They're on their 18th drummer. <laughs> I'm good friends with one of the drummers. <laughs> I'm actually friends with uh, the guy who replaced the original guy, and he's been in and out of the touring band here and there. I saw him a few years back when they came through town. I like some tonic stuff. They're a little bit more mellower for me than I like their big record. What was it called? Lemon Parade or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that was their big breakout record. Uh, Lit, look, I think Lit is good live. I own A Place in the Sun because it's got two or three songs on it that are really good. There's a lot of people that like this band a lot. I thought they did well on Mork. There were a lot of people that really liked them on Mork. Our recent guest from the Fans in Motion podcast, uh, he is a huge Lit fan. He wants to do episode just talking about Lit. People like this band. It is the Pop-Off Brothers band. And uh, yeah, I dig My Own Worst Enemy. That's a classic uh, song from the 2000 period. Sublime Greatest Hits. Uh, should it be Sublime Greatest Hit? I Do they have greatest hits? Do they have 10 or more songs that are considered greatest hits? To somebody. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I actually like a handful of Sublime uh, songs. I think I have one of the records. It's not this greatest hits. So, yeah, some of that stuff is not too bad. Uh, it shows up on my vacation mix a lot because it has sort of that reggae feel to it. So, some of the songs show up on my vacation playlist from time to time. Uh, number four by Stone Temple Pilots. I actually think this is sort of an underrated Stone Temple Pilots record. I like it. I own it. Uh, it's got some heavy stuff on it. I like uh, Sour Girl. I like Down, some of the tunes on it. Uh, for the most part, I actually enjoy this record. Uh, so that's a pretty decent record. Follow the Leader Corn. That's another record that I own. I probably can't name more than two or three Corn songs. I don't know how I came about this record. I'm not a particularly big fan of corn uh maybe i was at the time that i picked up the record i don't know it's got freak on a leash and i think a handful of other tunes that i like on it that's okay this incubus record make yourself this record is really good i have this record in my collection as well there are several songs off this incubus record that i think people would recognize drive being the biggest one obviously but there's a couple other that made the circulation I saw this band live roughly five years ago, and they packed out a 3,000-seat place, and their fans loved them. I mean, they were hardcore. They were really decent live. Uh, I enjoy this album as a whole. So out of all these records, it's probably down to the lit, the Stone Temple Pilots, and the Incubus. Um, but Incubus, for me, is a pretty damn good record. Isn't it strange that a gift could be an enemy? Isn't it weird that a privilege could feel like a chore? Maybe it's me, but this line isn't going anywhere. Maybe if we looked hard enough, we could find a back door. Find yourself.
On we go. At number 129, we got System of a Down's self-titled album. It had peaked out at 113, been on the charts for 15 weeks. Now, if you've tried System of a Down and you're like, I just don't get them. They're, I don't know. I don't understand. Well, here might be why. Here's their list of influences. All right. Hang with me. Middle Eastern Music, Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, Def Leppard, Scorpions, Morbid Angel, Death, Obituary, Easy e NWA, Run DMC, Um, Cult Hum, Abdul Halim Hafiz, The Kinks, The Bee Gees, Grateful Dead, The Beatles, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Dead Kennedys, Bauhaus, Depeche Mode, New Order, Radiohead, Metallica, Miles Davis, Alice in Chains, Iron Maiden, Bad Brains, Slayer, Van Halen, and Kiss. That might be the problem. They're making, I don't know, uh, gumbo, basically? Like, uh, they're just throwing shit in a pot. Their influences aren't their problem. The fact their music sucks asses. <laughs> their, talent, their talent is the problem, not their influences. <laughs> Don't blame the influences. Were any of their influences steepy down? <laughs> oh, shit. Well, I don't know. Bad Brains is on this list. <laughs> shit. Bad Brains is like freaking Van Halen compared to that. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So, anyway, the other thing about this band. <laughs> there's other there's other things about this band. Your last name, I guess, has to end with an A-N. <laughs> All right, so their lead vocalist, last name, Tankian. Their guitarist, last name, Malakian. Their bassist, last name, Odajan. Their drummer's last name, Domain. Even their former drummer, Kachaturian. I don't know what is going on with this band i just i don't know they got five studio albums three of the five have gone multi-platinum they're still around today i just do not understand this band but whatever all right at 116 we have dysfunction by stained it peaked out at number 74 been on the charts for 26 weeks so these guys are from springfield massachusetts been around since 95 they're a on again off again history which the band is active but they kind of go on and off Released eight studio albums, Dysfunction's their second release. Their biggest album was actually the next album, which is Break the Cycle. The singles from Dysfunction was Just Go, Mud Shovel, and Home. Most likely the only song you remember from these guys is It's Been a While, which was their biggest single. That was on that next record, not this one. At number 112, we have the self-titled album by Slipknot. Peaked out at number 51, been on the charts for 28 weeks. Right now you might be thinking, oh my God, Sonny, Tonic. Lit, Sublime, Corn, Incubus, System of a Down, Stained, and now Slipknot. What is going on? Uh, it's 2-4-2000. It is what it is. If you don't know, Slipknot is from Des Moines, Iowa. Oh, my God. From Iowa. <laughs> Been around since 95. Released seven studio albums. This is their first and their best selling. The singles from this album were Wait and Bleed and a song called Spit It Out. Not the White Snake cover. I wish it was, but it wasn't. <laughs> uh, Slipknot's not really about singles anyway. It's more about the feel and look anyway. At number 108, you think this is going to be a godsend? Wait till you hear some of it. Live Era 87 to 93 by Guns N' Roses. So it peaked out at number 45, been on the charts for eight weeks. So Guns N' Roses releases a spaghetti incident in 93. A little while later, all the band members basically say fuck it each other and they go their separate ways. Geffen comes to Axel about a live record. Axel reaches out to Slash and Duff through lawyers, managers. They pick the track list, and the release is crafted. Slash said in an interview, not pretty, and there's a lot of mistakes, 
but this is Guns N' Roses, not the fucking Mahava Vishnu Orchestra. It's as honest as it gets. I can tell you, there ain't no orchestra on this. The dates and locations of the tracks are not revealed in the liner notes. They're referred to as Across the Universe between 87 and 93. Slash said the live album was one of the easiest projects we ever worked on because I never saw Axel and never had to communicate with him face-to-face. Matt Sorum and Gilby Clark, who play on the majority of these live tracks, are not credited as band members. They're credited as additional musicians. <laughs> Adler, who only plays on three of the tracks, and Izzy, who only plays on six, are credited as the main band members. I listened to some of these live clips the other day. Uh, they're a little rough. Like, rough. These ain't touched up. They, woo, yikes. They're rough, rough. They're not system of a down rough, but they're rough. <laughs> And then at 107, we have Dizzy Up the Girl by the Google Dolls. Had peaked out at number 15, been on the charts for over a year already. The Goo Square Dolls, Google Dolls, get it? The Goo Square Dolls, get it? Yes. Are from Buffalo, New York. Been around since the mid-80s, released 14 studio albums, still active today. Band really only has two official band members, just John and Robbie. That's it. When they play gig, there's like this core of touring musicians they use. Dizzy Up the Girl was their sixth release, sold the best, over 5 million copies, has their most popular song, Iris, on it, which topped out at number nine. So on this one, we got System of a Down, Stained, Slipknot, a shitty Guns N' Roses album, which most Guns N' Roses albums are shitty, and then the Google Dolls. So my favorite out of these. Oh, my God. Um, I'm going to surprise everybody, and I'm going to go with Slipknot, because the more I hear Slipknot, the more I like them. How about you? Give us your thoughts on these five and your favorite. Okay. Normally, when we do these episodes, I like to listen back and do some homework. And if there's something on there I'm not familiar with, I get familiar with it, etc. So starting at the top with System of the Down, I didn't listen to one bit of it. I don't need to listen to one <laughs> bit of it. I heard some long time ago, and it's shit. So I'm not wasting any time with System of the Down. Stained. This is Loose Cannon and Baco's favorite band. Uh, I think they're secretly in love with Aaron. Uh, it was his name, Aaron Lewis or something, the singer. Oh, yeah, yeah. From yeah. Stained. Yeah, I think those guys have a bromance going. But anyway, I don't care for them that much. I know the single, I know the hit song. That's about it. Slipknot. See the notes on System of the Down for Slipknot. Pure shit. I'm not listening to any of it. I saw it live at Knotfest. Pure shit. It's a spectacle. The music is shit. There's nothing that I can latch onto for that music at all. It doesn't do anything for me. The Guns N' Roses Live Era 87 to 93. I had no idea that this album even existed. So when it came up on here, I was like, let me go look that up. I looked it up. I was like, huh, okay. So, I don't know. I listened to some of it. The stuff I listened to, and and I didn't listen to it all. I just listened to briefly uh, two or three songs because they do Dustin Bones live, which I was like, okay, that's interesting. I don't know that I ever heard him do that live, so played a little bit of that. I mean, what I heard didn't sound that bad, but again, I didn't listen to a bunch of it. I just listened to bits and pieces of it. Dizzy Up the Girl, the Goo Goo Dolls, that record has probably three or four really good songs on it. I definitely have some Goo Goo Dolls on my playlist from time to time. Some of those songs, Iris is fantastic. Probably out of this list, the Goo Goo Dolls, Dizzy Up the Girl is it for me because the rest of it is just borderline pure shit. And then you got live GNR that nobody apparently sanctioned. So that's it. 
Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Okay, moving on. Before we get to the next album, I got a trivia question for you. Stephen, how many studio albums did Led Zeppelin release? Studio albums. Uh, let's see. There's no way you can name them all. You can name four of them. Anybody can name four of them. Uh, well, yeah. One, two, three, and four. <laughs> so one, two, three, and four. There's In Through the Outdoor, Houses of the Holy, Coda. Coda is a greatest hit. So that don't count. That's not a studio album. It's not a greatest hits. It's not? No, I think it's like... Um, I thought it was like a compilation. Yeah, B-sides, outtakes, stuff like that. Yeah, that's basically the same shit. That's not a studio album. I think they still consider it a studio album. Am I wrong? I wouldn't. I don't know. Uh, physical Graffiti, that's eight. Seven, if you're not including Coda. Um, There's only one other one. Nobody ever remembers it. Um, shoot, what is the one I'm forgetting? Everybody always forgets that one. What is it? Presence. Presence. Okay. All right. So eight studio albums. Eight studio albums. So at number 101, we have Early Days, The Best of Led Zeppelin, Volume 1. And it peaked out at 71, and it's on the way down. So here's what my problem is with all this. I just don't understand how they keep releasing the same songs over and over, the same versions. It's not like it's different versions. So in 90, they released the box set, four CDs. I got it. Mm -hmm. Then they released the Led Zeppelin remasters, which is the same shit. Then in 93, they released Led Zeppelin Box Set 2, which basically were just the songs they didn't release on Box Set 1. Then they released the complete studio recordings, which was Box Set 1 plus 2. And now they released Best of Volume 1. And then later, they released Best of Volume 2. Mm -hmm. So what does this have? Good times, bad times, baby. I'm going to leave you. Days of Confused, Communication Breakdown, whole lot of love. It's the same shit. Reminds you of another band? Yeah, Kiss. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Same shit. So just like the Kiss homers keep getting ripped off, the Zeppelin homers keep getting ripped off too. With these classic bands like this, because they're not together anymore, because they don't tour anymore, their legacy is their catalog. And so nowadays they keep 
re-releasing it with different packaging and different configurations and slap a remastered sticker on it or slap a remix sticker on it and it just it continues to generate revenue kiss does this rush does this led zeppelin does this white snake deep purple van halen now is going to be doing this a lot right they've already started so it is what it is i mean you can only do it so much for the most part, unless I've already got the collection, I don't repurchase that stuff. Now, I did repurchase Midnight Dynamite and Blow My Fuse because those remixes, not remasters, were 100% worth it. I also repurchased the Dio Holy Diver Joe Barisa. Oh, yeah. Crunchy as fuck. It sounds fantastic. For that kind of stuff, I have it. I think you and I have the same Zeppelin box set, the one with the um, crop circles on it. Yep. Yeah, okay. That was the one I got. Yeah, I don't need to keep repurchasing all this stuff. I will say with the Rush ones, they do some pretty cool packaging, and they usually, at least it looks like to me, they've put a uh, live concert from that tour of whatever album they've repackaged along with it. So they do give you some extra stuff with it, which is pretty nice if you're a collector of that kind of stuff. But just reboxing a catalog and, you know, slapping a different sticker on it, I care less. (laughs) Yeah, right. All right. At number 90, we have an album called Five by Lenny Kravitz. Peaked out at number 28, and it was going up and down depending on what single was getting released. We don't talk about Lenny Kravitz too much, probably because, you know, he has a guitar around his neck, but he doesn't always do rock. He's a little all over the place. I personally like Lenny Kravitz. I'm not sure if he's universally loved in the hard rock world, to be honest. He has his 12th album coming out this year, so I'm looking forward to that. And Five was his fifth album. Good job, Lenny. This album sold double platinum, originally did okay, had released the hit Fly Away, sold a little bit. Then Lenny's record company re-released it in 1999, the same album, but put the bonus track American Woman on it because Austin Power, the spy who shagged me, was coming out. And that's what took it to double platinum. So smart move. You know, why release it as a single, blah, blah, blah. Just re-release the album, throw two more tracks on it, include the one that's going to be in the movie, coincided with the release of the movie. Bam, you got double platinum. Good job. At number 77, we have The Science of Things by Bush. It had peaked out at number 11, been on the chart for 13 weeks. If you don't know anything about Bush, formed in 92, London, England. Height of their popularity was probably mid to late 90s. They break up in 2002, come back in 2010, still active today. They've got nine albums out there. The Science of Things was their third release and their last to sell platinum. The singles on this one was The Chemicals Between Us, Warm Machine, and Letting the Cables Sleep. The Chemicals Between Us was their last song that ever hit the Billboard Hot 100. At number 73, we got There Is Nothing Left to Lose by the Foo Fighters that had peaked out at number 10. And heaven forbid we talk about anything during this time frame and don't fucking mention the Foo. This is their third release, sold platinum. Singles were Learn to Fly, Stacked Actors, Generator, Breakout, and Next Year, Learn to Fly did the best and peaked out at number 19. The Foo can be on my t-shirt. Meh. And at number 59, we've got Godsmack's self-titled album. Peaks out at number 22, been on the charts for over a year. Mighty Godsmack's from Lawrence, Massachusetts, formed in 95, released eight studio albums. Last one got released in 2023, Lighting Up the Sky, made my top 10. Self-titled was a band's debut album, their best-selling, four times platinum. The singles were Whatever, Keep Away, Voodoo, and Bad Religion. I know people have love-hate with Godsmack. I've always been a fan. So we've got Zeppelin, 
Lenny Kravitz, Bush, Foo Fighters, and Godsmack, for me, my fave out of this, although I love the Godsmack album, is actually Lenny Kravitz, because I actually really, really like that album. What say you about these five? Okay, so the Zeppelin, uh, I don't own it. We've already talked about that a little bit. Lenny Kravitz, five, I absolutely love it. I own it. It's a fantastic record. Uh, the Science of Things, I had to look up because I wasn't familiar with that album. It's got a couple of songs that I do recall off that record. Bush, you know, we've had Gavin Rossdale on the podcast before. You know, they're an interesting band. seems like lately I've noticed that uh, Eddie Trunk was really kind of uh, giving them props. Said they did it really well at uh, Rocklahoma. And they are a much heavier band live. But to me, they're not real exciting live uh you know gavin is kind of tied to the mic stand he plays guitar but he's also tied to the mic stand so i don't find them to be that exciting live i've seen them a few times but i like some of the music foo fighters there's nothing left to lose i love this record this record has so many great tunes on it i've said before i'm a foo fighters fan i like a lot of foo fighters uh material i don't love it all there's definitely some stuff that doesn't connect with me and especially some of the more recent stuff doesn't connect with me but this was their what'd you say third album so uh there's a lot off this record that i really enjoy and then godsmack that's duly noted on the podcast many times before i'm just not a huge godsmack fan although this is the debut record and i own this record so i guess you can say that there's some good stuff on it it's all right i don't mind it for me it's kind of a tie between the foo fighters and lenny kravitz both those records are fantastic so i'm gonna say both of those records are it for me special report. Look at all the people here tonight. Oh, man. I got to make an announcement right here. Can you hear me out there? It's time to take a quick break in the action from this week's episode. Sonny and I just wanted to thank all of you, the listeners, for joining us each and every week. Whether you just found us today or have been listening for multiple episodes, we love your passion for music and rock and roll in general. We consider you all part of our loud minority family. Always remember you can communicate with us a few different ways. If you don't mind Facebook, head over to the Growing Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group and be part of the conversation. 
It's a private group and all you have to do is ask to join, answer a few rock and roll questions, and you're in. If you despise Facebook, which many people do, then send us an email to growinguprock at gmail.com. We get everything there. You can follow us on Twitter and Insta at growinguprock, which is one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. In the event you feel entertained by our podcast, we would appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and go leave us a five-star review either at Apple Podcast or Podchaser. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. All right, moving on. We're going to get to the top 50 here. At number 50, we've got the Battle of Los Angeles, Rage Against the Machine, peaked at number one, been on the charts for 12 weeks. It's on the way down. So Rage Against the Machine has an interesting history, right? First of all, I've got to admit, I had not listened to a lot of the music, and the more I hear it nowadays, the more I like it. Band is basically as combustible as their music. So just a few weeks ago, they just broke up again for the third time. Basically, all said fuck you to each other again. So, you know, all four guys have said they've constantly squabbled for over 30 years, right? Being angry and raw is probably one thing. Start making some money. I guess it maybe it's hard to be angry. Maybe, you know, the same you're singing about the shit that made you rich. Maybe that's the problem. But, you know, through all the crazy, they did release four studio albums. Battle of Los Angeles was the third album, sold double platinum, spawned three singles. Gorilla Radio, Sleep Now in the Fire, and Testify. Gorilla Radio was their highest charting single hit ever and their only charting single ever. Peaked out at 69. And number 46, you got Californication by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Peaked out at number three. Everybody listening to this knows these guys. Three things you might not know. First of all, Red Hot Chili Peppers been around since 1982. Second, they've released 13 studio albums. Third, when you hear a trumpet, yes, a trumpet, in Red Hot Chili Pepper songs, that trumpet is played by Flea. Okay, so maybe you didn't know those three things. Californication was the band's seventh album, sold seven times platinum. They had six singles come out of this, Scar Tissue, Around the World, Other Side, Californication, Road Tripping, and Parallel Universe, and Scar Tissue charted the highest out of all of them, got to number nine. At number 29, we got Issues by Corn. had peaked out at number one. How is Corn on here a second time? Well, Follow the Leader was actually released in mid-98 and never left the charts. And then Issues got released and charted immediately. So safe to say, Corn was ultra hot at the time. Issues is their fourth studio album. It was their second biggest album in terms of sales, selling over 2 million copies. Had the singles Falling Away From Me, Make Me Bad, neither one charted. At number 25, we got S&M by Metallica with the Michael Kamen conducting the San Francisco Symphony. It peaked out at number two. This is the live album that was released between Reload and St. Anger. And uh, who couldn't it beat that day when it was number two? Celine Dion and her greatest hits album. So, you know, that is what it is. The two singles they released from this was Nothing Else Matters, 99, and No Leaf Clover. No Leaf Clover actually hit the Hot 100, topping out number 74. This whole symphony idea, I know I'm going to get haters for this. Meh, it wasn't that good to me. Right? I don't need to hear Master of Puppets with the fucking symphony. And it was done in San Francisco, and I don't care. It was weird. I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> At number 11... We've got Devil Without a Cause, Kid Rock, and it peaked out at number four. And I don't know if you know this. This is a Diamond album. Oh, my God. 
Kid Rock's fourth studio album is a diamond album. The first three albums put together didn't sell 82 copies. So somehow, Kid on this album, I listened to it the whole way through the other day. I had never listened to this album the whole way through. And I'm like, okay, it's a diamond album. I need to listen to what the hell is going on. And basically what he ended up doing is figured out a way to combine hardcore rap, country, and new metal. So it was like Rage Against the Machine grabbed all the skaters and the leftover grunge fans, and Kid Rock basically got everybody else. Released six singles, Welcome to the Party, I Am the Bulldog, that Ba with Da Ba, I don't ever know how to say that word, Cowboy, Only God Knows Why, and Wasting Time. It's unbelievable how different song to song that album is. I was very surprised, honestly, how good it was. So if you've never heard Devil Without a Cause, Kid Rock, I get his Kid Rock. I'm not listening to Kid Rock, Poonies. Kid Rock sucks. I'm just telling you, I don't know what part of Kid Rock you think might suck because there's like 18 different ways you can listen to Kid Rock. So I don't know. Listening to all these albums the other day out of these five, my favorite was still Rage Against the Machine, The Battle of Los Angeles. Let me get your take on these five. You actually like that fucking symphony shit? I didn't like it. I don't really care about the symphony stuff. It's all right to just listen to just to hear what a certain song might sound like with different arrangements. Sometimes that's interesting. Uh, I found that interesting with the latest Night Ranger and the youth orchestra. But it's not an album that I'm like, hey, what record am I going to put on today? This record? No, I just no, I don't really care for that stuff. All right. So let's start at the Battle of Los Angeles Rage Against the Machine. I love Rage Against the Machine. I've always liked them from the first album on. The Battle of Los Angeles is a decent record. I think it's probably my least favorite out of those first three because I really, really love the first one and Evil Empire a lot, but it's got some great tunes on it. Sonny talked about the songs that are on that record. So Red Hot Chili Peppers. So Sonny gave you a little bit of trivia and a little bit of a history lesson on the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So I was a huge Chili Peppers fan early on. Like the first few records, if you're not familiar with the Chili Peppers, go listen to like the first or second record. I would say start with something like Freaky Styly, which I think is like the third or fourth record. Go listen to that and then go listen to Californication. It's not even the same band. I don't even know. After pretty much Red Hot, Red Sex, uh, Blood Sugar Magic, whatever that record is, I pretty much quit listening to the Chili Peppers because they became this whole other thing after they had Under the Bridge as a hit. And they were no longer good to me. Early on, I really, really liked the funky, party, crazy, just fun band that they were. This friend of mine turned me on to Freaky Styly, man. I burnt that record out because it was so much fun and just so funky and so awesome. Uh, so that's the Chili Peppers I like. Nowadays, I give two shits about them. I don't listen to any of the stuff they release nowadays. Issues by Corn. I couldn't tell you one song on this record. I have no idea. The Metallica, the S&M orchestra thing. Uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, Kid Rock, Devil Without a Cause. I burnt a hole in my CD with this uh, record. I listened to this CD so much when it came out. I had the opportunity to see Kid Rock in a small club when he was supporting this record after it just had come out. In fact, I saw him twice in that same club. He worked his ass off supporting this record and touring. They played every dive, every small club two, three times over 
for who knows how long they were on tour for this record. But you could see the crowds literally grow from one date to the next. And like I said, the first time I saw them, I saw them in this club that held 500 people and it was probably half full. The next time they came through and played that same club, you couldn't move. There was nowhere to move. It was so hot and sweaty. He was killer live, man. His band at that time with Devil Without a Cause was so good live. You can imagine in a place that holds 500 people with a good PA and a, you know, like not a small stage, but it wasn't a huge stage either. And it was packed, you know, because at the time his band consisted of Uncle Cracker and he had um, what's his name on guitar. Um, The two guitar players are are escaping me right now, but just a killer band. Uh, So for me, out of these records, Devil Without a Cause, no doubt, is the record for me out of these uh, with Rage Against the Machine being number two. Then we always talk about the top 10 at the time, the full top 10, regardless of whether it's rock or not. So at number 10 on 2-4-2000, we have Volume 3, Life and Times of S. Carter by Jay-Z. It peaked at number one at one point. So not only is he doing Beyonce every night, they're still together, right? So he's still doing Beyonce every night, isn't he? Uh, Yeah, as far as I know. He's released 13 studio albums. First one topped out at number 20 on the Billboard 200. Second one topped out at number three. The next 11 all hit number one. So that's what this man's been doing. By the way, if you're wondering who S. Carter is, Jay-Z's real name is Sean Corey Carter. So S. Carter is him. At number nine, we got Millennium by the Backstreet Boys was a number one album. Diamond Album, one of the best boy band selling albums of all time. Complete Desert Island album for me. I'm telling you right now, you go play I Need You Tonight and Spanish Eyes, those two songs alone. Have your significant other next to you, and they will jump you. That's how good those two songs are. (laughs) At number eight, we have J.E. Heartbreak from Jagged Edge. It had peaked out at number eight. It debuted at number eight, basically. R&B group from Atlanta. It's been around since 95, has 10 studio albums, and J.E. Heartbreak was their second and best-selling release. At number seven, we have this album called Now Three, which is by various artists. It peaked out at number four. These compilations, to me, they were just a money grab basically a mixtape of hits that today you would just make a playlist. Universal knew how to make money, so that's how they did it. The songs on this album, All Star by Smash Mouth, American Woman by Kravitz, Nookie by Limp Bizkit, The Hardest Thing by 98 Degrees, All I Have to Get by Backstreet Boys. You can kind of get the gist. Like 
they basically took all of the songs that were either number one or played on radio all over the place or had a shot to win a Grammy, throw it on this various artist, bam, you sell another two million. Like it just making money, money, money. That's all it is. And number six, got an album called Europop by a band called Eiffel 65. And this had peaked out at number four. This music is classified as Eurodance. So Eiffel 65 is like an Italian electronic group. So if you listen to the music, it basically like puts you in like a techno dance club in Europe. That's kind of what it sounds like. So enough said. Just if you listen to it, it's interesting. At number five, an album called And Then There Was X by DMX. It was the number one album. Uh, rest in peace to DMX. He died three years ago from a heart attack. And supposedly it was cocaine-induced, but whatever. Real name is Earl Simmons. Released eight studio albums. This one was his third. And this is the album that had that song Party Up in Here. It's, uh, there's a lot of other bad words next to it. But uh, if you listen, if you heard the song, <laughs> you would know what I'm talking about. At number four, we got Christina Aguilera's first album, self-titled. It went into number one. It had been on the chart for 22 weeks. Christina, when this was released, was 18 years old. And she was singing about, I'm a genie in a bottle. You got to rub me the right way. Dude, she was 18. And then the other single was, What a Girl Wants. They both went number one, eight times platinum. She was 18. <laughs> I like those two songs. And it's weird. I wish she was 23 when she was singing. I'm not 18. But they're two great songs. At number three, we got Dr. Dre 2001 by Dr. Dre. Peaked out at number two. Another trivia question for you, Stephen. How many studio albums does Dr. Dre have? How many do you think he has? Well, you only need to know one. <laughs> so in my opinion, he's got one studio album called The Chronic, and that's all the ones you need to know. I don't know. I'm going to guess maybe three or four. He has three. Good job. He has three studio albums. That's it. The 2001 release was in 1999, and it was a second release, sold six times platinum. I'll make this real easy. Dr. Dre doesn't need anything from anybody. He sold beats for like a billion dollars, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not kidding. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At number two on 2-4-2000, we have All the Way, a decade of song. This is the Celine Dion Greatest Hits album that was at number one at one point. Celine Dion had tons of albums out there. Like anything she put in English, she also put in French. I would say this Greatest Hits is probably the easiest way for a casual fan to get everything they want. To me, Celine, meh, where she lost me, where she probably lost every rocker if you were ever even into Celine Dion was near for wherever. I was, I was done. I was done at that point. That movie was longer than it took the real Titanic to sink. That was fucking forever. And then at number one on 2-4-2000, we got Supernatural by Santana. If you look up the list on Wiki for Santana band members, the only list I've ever seen longer than LA Guns is the Santana list. That's how long that list is. This was Santana's 18th studio album. It's a diamond album. It was on a six-week run at number one on the strength of two singles, Smooth by your wife's boo-boo, Rob Thomas, and the song Maria Maria. That's what was selling that one album. Um, so, Tad albums, really, none of them are rock. None of them are even really even close to rock. The Now 3 maybe has a rock song on it. Well, it has American Woman by Kravitz, so that's at least close. To me, out of these 10, slam dunk that Backstreet Boys album is the best out of these 10. What say you about these 10 albums and pick a favorite if you can. All right. Little known fact, uh, Sonny and I were actually members of Santana at one point in time. Uh, yeah. So was the neighbor. So was Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I played Triangle. Sonny played Cowbell. It was fantastic. Yeah. 
we were in the band different times, but yeah, you know, at least he gives credit. That's always been his sort of thing is he just, you know, he plays with whoever. So yeah, it's all good. Jay-Z, I don't know a lot about Jay-Z. I mean, I know who he is. I don't know a lot about his music. I think what's the 99 Problems song? I think that's one of his songs. I think that's a decent song. I got 99 Problems, but a bitch ain't one. Is that correct? Uh, I don't know, but... He's got Beyonce and money. What fucking problems has he got? He got 99 <laughs> problems? I ain't got Beyonce or money. I ain't got 99 problems. How's he got them? That's an old song. That's one of his older songs before Beyonce. Oh, okay. So that's about as much as I know about Jay-Z. Backstreet Boys Millennium. Sonny already said a bunch about that. I mean, I like some of their stuff. I'm a hits guy. I don't uh, know a ton, you know, outside the hits. Jagged Edge, I don't know a ton of, about them other than the fact that they're from here. Now 3, I went and looked at all the artists that are on Now 3. There's some good stuff on that record. I remember those records. I mean, they might still produce them. Who knows? I don't know. But like Sonny said, just make a playlist. Eiffel 65. Doom, doom, doom. Not for me. DMX. Uh, yeah, I know two or three tunes up in here and, you know, uh, a couple other things, but not a ton of stuff. Christina Aguilera. There's like uh, three or four songs off that record that I recognized. I like them. She's an amazing singer. I mean, she's fantastic. She really has a voice. Dr. Dre 2001. All you need to know is the chronic. This other stuff that he put out, I don't think is that good. Far more superior music wise to me is Snoop, uh, which he's the one that discovered Snoop. So uh, I just like Snoop's uh, stuff much better than Dre's, but the chronic was fantastic. Celine Dion, I could care less. I can name two songs that she does other than that Titanic song, and I don't even know what the name of that song is. Uh, wherever you are or something who knows my heart will go on my heart will go on uh, yeah and no not with that music not for me supernatural has some great stuff on it i like santana i like smooth i like some of the songs that he did with michelle branch so you know there's not a lot to hate on with santana i dig it out of these records man it's really tough i don't want to pick now three uh because it's like you know greatest hits or whatever there's some good stuff on it I guess Santana. You got to pick Santana. Your woman's going to be pissed if you don't. Yeah, well, it's only got one song on there with Rob Thomas, so I don't think she'd really care. But, you know, Backstreet Boys or Santana, I guess, for me, out of these. You know, maybe Christina Aguilera. There's some good stuff on that record. I like Genie in a Bottle. I like rubbing Christina the right way. It's all <laughs> kinds of bad. She's 18. Whatever. <laughs> she's not 18 anymore. She's not 18 anymore. That is correct. So, okay. So, final thoughts on the chart conversation. It's a rough chart for melodic hard rock lovers. <laughs> I'm glad if anybody got through it. Uh, personally, I was busy getting married and having babies. So, I guess music was in the rearview mirror for me, too. So, I wasn't really interested in what was going on in music at this time. And looking back, uh, maybe I dodged a bullet. I don't know. What are your final thoughts on this chart? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely disconnected from music at this time. Uh, 2000, I was busy with my career. You know, I was 33 at the time. I had been off the road at this point now for about four years. I was involved in my career. I was in middle management just, you know, Monday through Friday, party on the weekend. But uh, I just wasn't connected to music all that much at this point in time. And the reason I wasn't is because the music, for the most part, kind of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's not uh, judging from these charts. You know, when we do these, when rock ruled the charts, 
the charts are what they are. We pick a day. Usually we pick a day in history, music history. This was more about the date because of the date that this was going to release. So there was no uh, musical historical thing that went along with this episode. But it's always fun to take a trip back in time and just look and see what was the music that was happening at that time in history. And, you know, it is what it is. Honestly, that's probably why I wasn't that connected to music at the time, because it's not my bang zone of rock and roll. It's gotta be you. Hollywood. You know what time it is. Let's connect it to KISS. You wanted us best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world, KISS! So for the KISS connection, it's 2-4-2000. KISS has just finished the Cycle Circus Tour. And after an amazing reunion tour, the Cycle Circus tour was a dud. So since Paul and Gene didn't want to go through the financial hardships that went through the last time their popularity was coming to a crashing halt, so kind of think 77 Love Gun versus 81 Elder and how the money was coming in, two amazing words come to Paul and Gene's mind, farewell tour. So Kiss hooks up with VH1, announces a farewell tour with Peter and Ace, and they're going to go do their first gig, which is slated for March 11, 2000. So on 2-4-2000, they're in rehearsals. And one of the songs that they want to play in the set was also played during the Cycle Circus Tour. So here are the four originals. Peter, Ace, Paul, and Gene with Let Me Go Rock and Roll. Rock and roll. I dig it. I like this song. Yeah. All right. So 2-4-2000, here's some of the other stuff that's going on. So Major League Baseball, it's February, so the season hasn't started yet. NFL, Super Bowl 34 had just happened six days prior. Rams 23, Titans 16. The MVP was Kurt Warner. 
NBA, the Miami Heat are leading the Eastern Conference, 30 wins, 14 losses. Lakers are leading the Western Conference, 34 and 12 is their record. In the end, Lakers beat the Pacers in the championship a couple months later. Shaq is named league MVP. The number one movie in the U.S. is, take a guess. I have no clue. Nobody does, because it's a movie called Eye of the Beholder with Evan McGregor, Ashley Judd, and Jason Priestley. Note to self, don't release a movie on Super Bowl week, because it super flopped at the office. <laughs> I'm not sure I've even heard it. That Super Bowl, that was the amazing Super Bowl, like they stopped the Titans on the goal line or something, right? That's right. That was crazy. Yeah. And what was interesting was those last plays were happening, and Nicole and I were about to get on a plane to go to Fiji, so we never saw it. Until I got back. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Number one TV show in the U.S. on this date was? 60 Minutes. That is incorrect. <laughs> and actually, number one, number two, number three, and number four, the top four TV shows on 242,000 were all the same show. Who wants to be a millionaire? Really? Like the Friday was number one, the Wednesday was number two, the Monday was number three, like that kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah. Number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 on 2-4-2000 was, you want to guess? My Heart Will Go On. No. No, 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 no. Remember Savage Garden? Yes. I Knew I Loved You was the number one song in the country. I don't know that song, but there is a handful of Savage Garden that I like. What was it? I, I Knew I Loved You Before We Even Met. That was basically kind of the hook. Mm-mm. You don't remember that song, huh? Hmm. No, All right. Not, it's not ringing any bells. Uh, it's also one that will have your significant other jump you immediately. It's one of those songs. Sweet. I'm yeah, trying. Yeah. Tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> I Need You Now, Spanish Eyes by Backstreet Boys, and I Knew I Loved You by Savage Garden. Play those three songs right now with your significant other sitting right next to you. You will get jumped. You will not get through the three songs. I'm bringing all those songs on Mork, and if it doesn't happen, I'm going <laughs> to criticize you every morning. <laughs> You don't care about size me every morning anyway. What's the difference?
Wrapping it up, yeah, 2-4-2000, exactly 24 years ago. This is what happens when a 2-4-2-4 ends up on a Sunday and uh, we decide to rewind it back 24 years for no reason at all because nothing else was happening. And uh, you get a chart that I'm 31, you're 33, and there's no Def Leppard, there's no Bon Jovi, there's no Kiss, there's no Rats, Cinderella, there's no Greatest Hits, there's no Box Sets. It's either Zeppelin or Guns N' Roses or a bunch of shitty bands, basically. Y2K clearly affected the music charts at this time. (laughs) Maybe Y2K (laughs) fucked up out of the older two. Who knows? (laughs) Exactly. See, we think nothing happened, but truly shit happened. Obviously, look at this list. (laughs) I mean, for God's sakes. (laughs) Anyway, it's been real. It's been fun, but it ain't been real fun. (laughs) It's time for us to get up on out of here. Is there any parting words that you want to share with our listening audience, Mr. Penny? If you're still with us, thank you for sticking it out. Uh, If you're not still with us, uh, I guess we'll we'll see you next time. Yeah, we'll try to pick a date that has better music on it next time, but it is what it is, and you know we love you. So until next week, see ya. Later. That's the show. So let's shuffle, rattle, and roll us out of here. Until next week. Always remember, peace, love, and rock and roll. Well, you got your reasons And you've got your lies And you've got your manipulations They cut me down to size If you could only see the way she loves me Maybe you would understand Why I feel this way about our love And what I must do If you could only see how her eyes can mean what she says It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.